The Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network College Football Edition is presented by The Rebel Walk. For the best coverage of Ole Miss sports visit www.therebelwalk.com. We are also brought to you by, I'm Changing the Narrative. Our mentor and dear friend, Rachel Barbo started this movement to improve the lives of current and former athletes. To learn more visit www.imchangingthenarrative.org. We are also brought to you by, Quick Cuts Media. Whether you are looking to produce business-to-business or business-to-consumer media for your employees, vendors, and customers can be a wonderful experience with the right partner. Learn how to win with us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. And we are also brought to you by, our good friend, David Walker. Head over to Amazon today and pick up your copy of his amazing book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. Coming up next is the Crunch Time Express. Your VIP pass has been approved so all aboard. This episode, we will be breaking down our featured college football games of the week. We have you covered on every angle. I will update you on any late-breaking news and expected weather forecast. Billy will give you the opening lines and totals and if there are any significant line movements. In the final segments, we hand the show over to our senior analyst, Kenneth, for the best game breakdown and analysis. In the final segment is the game of the week breakdown. Kenneth will give you the best insight around and his keys to victory for both teams. Webster defines crunch time as a critical moment or period, like the end of a game, when decisive action is needed. Every sports fan knows this time in the game. Your palms sweat a little bit more, your heart races just a little bit faster, and you live and die with every play until the final seconds tick off the clock and you're either celebrating a victory or disappointed by the defeat. The team at Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network understands just how critical these moments are. For us, it begins as soon as the next set of games are on the board. We evaluate the opening lines and any breaking news throughout the week. We cover each game inside and out, whether it's from inside the locker room to a huddle down on the field, the court, or the ice. We take you inside the meeting room with scouts, coaches, and executives. We have our fingers on the pulse of all the sports that we cover, the National Hockey League, NBA, college basketball, college football, and the National Football League. We are the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network, and we're here to help you find your sports advantage. After all the data has been crunched, we then turn it over to Kenneth for the best analysis around. His unique perspective in both understanding the data and how it applies to the game and how you win is the Crunch Time Sports Advantage. Are you ready? The Crunch Time Jet is fueled and ready for takeoff, and the Crunch Time Express is about to leave the station. Your VIP pass has been approved, so all aboard. Awesome. Welcome to the Rundown. Here are the games that we will be covering on this episode. If you have done so, give us a follow on Twitter at CrunchTimeVIP and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, if you missed any of our previous podcasts, you could find them on our website at www.CrunchTimeSportsAdvantage.com. Here is the game that we will be covering on this episode. The Penn State Nittany Lions will travel to Iowa City, Iowa to face the Iowa Hawkeyes. And now, Billy will give you the opening lines and totals for the game as well as where they currently sit. Thanks, Summer. Iowa opened as a two-and-a-half point favorite with a total of 42-and-a-half. With the forecast calling for 16 miles per hour winds has definitely pushed the total down to 41 and Iowa is now favored by two. Coming up in the next segment, we will replay an interview with our good friend, Aliquippa Bob as we look ahead to the Penn State vs. Iowa game. 
You can follow Bob on Twitter at AlecBobPSU. All right, guys, welcome in, and I am talking college football with my good friend, Aliquippa Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nobody that I trust more with having the inside information and just really knowing and having the post of the Penn State Nittany Lions better than my good friend, Aliquippa Bob. So, Bob, pleasure to have you on the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network, my friend. Well, it's a, it's a real pleasure to be on with you, Kenneth. I thank you for the nice introduction, and of course, you know what I think about your analyses and uh, breakdowns of the games. I, I think they're tremendous. So it's a real pleasure and honor to be on talk some football with you tonight. All right, let's get right into it. Penn State comes into this game, not only in our uh, college football rankings, but in the a AP poll as well as uh, the number fifth ranked team in the nation, taking on the number fourth ranked teams, both come in at um, five and oh. Penn State and Bob, we, we kind of talked about this before the season needed to see a little bit more consistent play out of Sean Clifford. Tell me what you've seen from this young quarterback so far early on in the season. Well, you, you know, you're right, Ken. We we had talked about this at, at length, uh, that, that his mechanics were bad, his confidence was shaken, and uh, he's really kind of turned things around under Mike Yersich. Uh, you know, his game against Indiana was probably his worst game of the season. He seemed as though uh, he, he was having a little bit of trouble reading coverages, which – Indiana's defense is very good at disguising their coverage and mixing their coverages up. And uh, he finally threw an interception where it was his fault. It was a, it was a mistake where uh, the safety baited him and uh, uh, came up in the coverage. Clifford missed him and threw the pick, but he has, he has been improving his mechanics. He's been improving his progressions, his reads of defense. Uh, his accuracy with the ball has been better. And I think, Ken, I, I, you know, I'd be anxious to see what you think if you agree with me, but I think Yursich has done a good job protecting Sean Clifford. I, I, I don't think he asks him to make the throws that, that are hard for Sean Clifford to make. But the one area that's really been big for Sean Clifford is that he hasn't tried to carry the team and, and on his back. He, he has learned to be a, you know, get the ball to the playmakers because there are plenty of pay, playmakers on Penn State's offense. And what, what I've noticed, and I got a chance to watch that Indiana game uh, earlier this morning, and what I saw from Clifford um, was it looks like when he when he works his mechanics, and what I'm talking about um, for the listeners, and I know you can't see it, but when he sets his feet and he has that, that nice, tall quarterback base that we see on all the, all the videos, that what I call a Troy Aikman pose, where from the feet all the way up to his throwing motion. When he has all of that solid, he delivers a nice on-target pass. And you can see that in his numbers, completing 67% of his passes, which is really outstanding for him. What I want to see him do is I don't want to see him throwing off-platform a lot. I want to see him steady his feet, like you said, take what the defense gives him, not try to force a lot of throws and what really jumped out for me with Clifford was in that Auburn game, a game that could have gone really sideways, but he stayed within himself, played under control, and was able to get Penn State that big out-of-conference win. 
Well, yeah, he did. He played a very excellent game against Auburn. I think he was uh, something like 28 for 32 with a couple of touchdowns. He threw the one interception, which was meaningless, right at the end of the first half where he just threw the ball up. Uh, there were just a few seconds left on the clock and it was a, well, I'll throw it up here and see what happens type of a throw. Right. Uh, and up till that point, he hadn't been intercepted. You know, he's a big thing, too, this year is that he's been getting a lot of protection from his offensive line. You know, Auburn coming into that game had two defensive ends that recorded eight sacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't get near Clifford all night. So uh, that, that's been helping him. But I, I think Yursich, you know, Yursich has done a good job with his mechanics. And the thing that I wanted to watch this year and really see were his progressions. And he is certainly doing that. And plus he's had time from the offensive line to make those throws. And he loves throwing to that big-time playmaker, uh, Jahan Dotson. I love this kid, 5'11", 185 out of um, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. That senior is on a lot of watch lists, not only in college, but from my NFL scouts telling me they think he is a prototype slot wide receiver in this new NFL where he can work the intermediate routes, but he could also give you something on the vertical as well. He is he has just been tremendous. His his acrobatic catches started. He started showing some of that last year uh, when he went up against Sean Wade and made two sensational catches against him uh, in the Ohio State game. And he's been doing it ever since. In fact, last week he snagged the ball in the end zone against Indiana where Clifford threw the ball, you know, high and to the outside. And that's the only place the ball could have been thrown. And, and Jahan Dotson went up and caught it. Uh, you know, he and Sean Clifford have have combined for the uh, all-time touchdown uh, duo uh, record at Penn State. Uh, they have passed up Sean or uh, Todd Blackledge and Kenny Jack- Jackson. Mm-hmm. Kenny Jackson, beg your pardon, who had 17 uh, touchdowns between you know their 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 passing touchdowns. So right. they are now at 18. So and, and Johan Dotson, you know, he worked hard this offseason. The young man now runs in the four threes, the high four threes, uh, and he's been clocked at that several times. So he's improved his speed, improved his hands. He still needs, I think, a little bit of improvement on his route running, but I think it's getting better. And, uh, and that's, that's, right, not too Bobby. many DBs are going to stay with him, Kenneth. And, and, and you're absolutely right. That's something that just comes along with, with the craft. Playing the wide receiver spot, it's learning how to – uh, sell your routes. Uh, one thing that um, going to a camp uh, with Jerry Rice, he always talked about continue to work refining your craft, working on your footwork to where you can make a, a dig route look like a go route. And once you get a defensive back on his heels, that's when you can really kind of manipulate the defense. I want to talk about that offensive line because I think coming into this matchup with Iowa, they're going to have to play a critical uh, part in this process, not only uh, protecting Clifford, but we got to see this um, Penn State run game really kind of start to um, start to step up because I don't think you're going to beat a team like Iowa on the road without having a solid running attack. Well, you're absolutely right. And their running game, it, it has been one problem after another. You know, they're, when, when the five offensive linemen are blocking well, the tight ends and the running backs are missing their blocks. The running backs are, are hitting the wrong hole. You know, Yursich introduced the outside zone scheme this year, and he's always had a lot of success with it wherever he's been. But right now, Penn State has one running back that's capable of running that, and that's John Lovett, who was transfer in from Baylor. 
Uh, he's a fifth-year senior. Uh, they've had a lot of trouble with Kavion Lee. They, they thought that he would be able to adapt to the scheme, and they actually thought it would benefit him. But unfortunately, Kavion Lee has a bad habit of running upright, and he's also been indecisive with hitting the holes that he that he has to hit. Uh, you know, he's he's six foot tall, two hundred thirty nine pounds, and he is he is a power back with speed. And but he's not he's not you know crouching over. He's he's not getting into that bowling ball position, so to speak, where he can plow through a defender and fall forward. So he's falling backward. He's not using his his abilities. Noah Kane has been a problem too. You know, he's been the young man's been injured and. Noah Kane, I, I thought coming into the year would really surprise a lot of people. In fact, I thought he would last year when he and Journey Brown were going to were going to be the they're going to share the running back duties at Penn State's backfield. And Noah Kane was injured in the first series, missed the year, and now he's come back this year. And again, he's had a, a mild injury problem, and the young man has not been able to adapt very well and uh, and heal yet. So uh, Penn State's a little bit nicked up at the running back position, and they're they're not. They just haven't gotten there yet. So that's hurting them some. But the real thing, I think, Kenneth, and I, I you know, don't know if you've had a chance to look at this on film. Penn State has three very, very young. They're freshmen, uh, you know, freshmen, redshirt, freshmen, redshirt, sophomores, whatever you want to, whatever the class is now with all the uh, the uh, extra year added in. But they're extremely talented. Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, and a kid that started off as a quarterback and, and converted the tight end, Tyler Warren. Now, of the three of them, though, they're they're Tyler Warren's their best blocker, and believe me, he's he's not he's not had a lot of success with the blocking. He's still learning his trade. All three of them are a dangerous threat, though, downfield uh, in the passing game. Uh, and as you know, I, I think we saw the tight ends really come come alive in the uh, Auburn game, and then also they hurt Indiana a little bit as well. So I expect them to give Iowa some trouble this week. And I think Penn State may have to rely on them against Iowa's uh, zone defense. And what 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 you just mentioned was one of the things that, that I focused in on this week. This is a perfect two tight end kind of game right here because of the matchup advantage if Penn State can if Penn State offensive line can protect. Can can give Iowa a little bit of trouble. We saw last week uh, in the SEC where Arkansas plays that that three three two six. Iowa plays kind of a modified version of that, so it it's set up to where you don't give up explosive plays, but it gives quarterbacks who are patient a lot of chance to hit tight ends, running backs out of the backfield on those flare routes, on those uh, little wheel routes. Quarterback has to stay patient in that because you're not going to find any explosive plays with this defense because the windows are, are covered up. So well, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, one of one of my keys to the game, the first thing at the top of my list is there's three words, patience, patience, and patience. You know, look, this this game is going to be a hard fought in the trenches. It's, it's going to be a physical, old-fashioned, man's man football game. The only thing we need here, Kenneth, is, is a lot of snow. <laughs> that would make it perfect for me. Big but, but look, you know, Penn State, there, there's there's a there's a situation here that's brewing behind the scenes. Penn State has scored on eight of 19 touchdowns or scored eight of 19 touchdowns on plays over 20 yards. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. They, they seem to struggle a little bit when they have to march down the field four, five, eight, ten yards at a clip. So they're going to have to be very patient against Iowa. And in the past, that's how Penn State has beaten Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've, they've had a pretty good record against them over the past so many years. And they're actually, uh, I, I think they're 10 and five at Kinnick Stadium over their last so many visits. So if they can be patient, if they can get the ball in space to their playmakers, then they can generally out-athlete Iowa because they are a little bit faster. They are more talented. Now, I'm anxious to see this Iowa defense. And, and uh, you know, we, we talk about patience. So can Penn State be patient? Can Sean Clifford not fall into the interception trap? Because, look – Iowa's defense leads a nation in turnovers. They're, they're at a plus 12. They have 16 turnovers on the season in five games. Um, last week, they picked off uh, uh, Tagliavoa, uh, what, six times, six picks and a fumble. Six times. <laughs> right. But, but what's interesting is that if Iowa is – if Penn State is able not to fall into that trap, eat the ball, throw the ball away, you know, Sean Clever, get rid of the ball so you don't take a sack, Mm-hmm. Give the play up. I, I think that eventually what they'll do is they'll out-athlete Iowa. They'll, they'll kind of beat them at their own game. Question is, is Sean Clifford and Penn State going to be able to hold that patience? So you mentioned a very key word there, and I really have to agree with you. And what I'm looking for in Penn State in this game, and I said this about Alabama going up against uh, <laughs> Ole Miss. I said the same thing for Georgia going up against Arkansas. This 3-2-6, it's almost like a disrespect to your offensive line. It's a disrespect to your run game. It's saying, we're good enough to stop your run game with three down linemen and two linebackers. Yeah, Penn State's going to have to run the ball. Look, one one of the keys this game is going to be Penn State's offensive line against that front, you know, Iowa's front four. I mean, they're – they're going to have to run for 150 yards. And it, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, they're only averaging 132 yards per game. And that's with a game last week where they ran for over 200 yards and they had a couple nice long runs. Uh, but Iowa defensively is only allowing 86 yards per game. And they seem to lay back uh, in a zone defense. They set up about five, six, seven yards off the ball. And they'll run blitz different people toward the line of scrimmage to try to confuse the blocking. And, and they're very good at disguising their coverages. So uh, I, I think that Penn State's going to have to find a way to run the ball or they're going to have to use the short passing game to substitute for the running game. And, uh, again, it's going to be patience. And, and the other key that I have here, Kenneth, is the turnover bad one I touched on a little bit. You know, Iowa has scored 166 points on the season. 75 of those points have come off the 16 turnovers. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, they seem to be a team that their average drive length is somewhere in around 40, 45 yards. But if they have to drive the length of the field, they're, they're a three and out team. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the turnover battle is so critical here and the patience is so critical and it ties into everything. You're not going to run the ball for a living against this defense. You're going to have to supplement it with a passing game, as you mentioned, and you're going to have to be patient and you're going to have to come on uh, on the field with the expectation we're going to move the ball. We're going to win the field position battle. 
you know, I see this as a very low scoring game. I, I don't know what you have it at, but I have it at, at something on the order of a, a 22-20 Penn State, uh, mostly because of their speed and their athleticism. I, I think Penn State will that'll, that'll eventually come to the forefront if they don't kill themselves with turnovers. And what are you seeing from this Penn State defense so far? I know we haven't touched on that at, touched on that yet. Well, I think you know, watching. <clears throat> excuse me, I've only had the ability or the chance to to watch uh, Iowa uh, briefly against Iowa State and watch them again against Maryland. And and you know they they like to um, they like to use a uh, a gap blocking scheme where where the line will shift to one side. And that's good against the blitz. You know, Kenneth, Penn State has blitzed almost 50% of their defensive plays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've had to do that to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, of course, they lost the Dissa Isak. They lost to Keem Beeman, which, which is a whole other conversation in the effect that that's having on its defensive line. So, you know, you have that situation coming in where Brent Pry has a – he will sometimes – overshift his defense to the strong side where he will have his, he'll have a one technique tackle uh, on the weak side, a gap, and then he will put a defensive tackle inside the B gap. And then he'll have his end at the, at the strong side C gap. So if Iowa employs that blocking scheme and Penn state runs that defense, I I think it's going to be tough for Penn state to stop their run. Mm-hmm. The second thing about the defense that is of concern for Penn State in this game is that you do have a lot of young defensive linemen playing this game. And, and as you know, when playing a team like this and you want to be you want to be patient, look, these these kids have to maintain their gap responsibility and they have a tendency because of their youth and their enthusiasm that, you know, to, to get suckered in and and they chase the ball or they chase the decoy next mm-hmm. thing you know their gap is wide open and Tyler Goodson at Iowa is an excellent running back I mean he's he's just a notch below Tank Bixby uh down at Auburn and, and you saw all the trouble Penn State had with him mm-hmm. so I, I think Penn State's secondary is very strong I think that they'll they'll blanket Iowa's passing game without too much trouble um Petrus uh Spencer Pitt Petrus or Petrus is not mm-hmm. a very mobile quarterback. Uh, yeah. He's almost like a lamppost standing back there waiting to get hit. So if you can cover his receivers and give your defensive line time to get there, I, I think that uh, I think that Penn State can be successful, uh, you know, attacking the quarterback without blitzing. So uh, I, I think it's I think Penn State's defense will will control Iowa's offense provided they don't fall victim to the gap blocking scheme. I, you know, it's just, it's going to be an alignment thing for me, Kenneth, with their defensive line. And, and one of the things that, that, that kind of jumped out at me, just, just like you mentioned, I think you're going to see, I will run a lot of counters, a lot of delays, a lot of draws, even some screen passes, not just to the running back, but to that talented tight end, uh, Sam Laporta, where, they're going to look to get some of these young um, defensive players out of position. And once you start doing that, you really put that defense on skates. I don't think I was going to go what I call hurry up or tempo, but I do think that they're going to try to catch Penn State where they're not quite 
where they're not quite set and just kind of quick snap them and just get Goodson where it looks like it should be just a three or four yard uh, run, but because somebody may be misaligned, misplay their gap assignment, and that's where Goodson takes off for a 40 yard run. Oh yeah, he's he's an excellent cutback runner. He's excellent at finding the hole. He's very experienced, and he doesn't make mistakes. And I, I think you got to say that about this Iowa team as a whole. They're very disciplined. They're they're very steady. They're very strong. They're a typical physical Big Ten team. And I think that uh, you're going to have to play your gaps. And, and your point is very well made. Tyler Goodson is a very excellent cutback runner. And, but he will also slash you if he sees the hole through the line, a linebacker out of the, he's going to slash through that hole. So he's going to be a problem for Penn State. I think that they're going to have to try to control him. Uh, and, and they're going to have to keep Iowa. Uh, you know, they're, they're rushing under, under 100, 125 yards if they want to walk out with a victory. So we'll, we'll have to see how that works. But I, I think that they're going to have to make uh, Iowa one-dimensional uh, because I, I do think – I, I, I want to see how Penn State covers Sam Laporte because he is their leading receiver. You know, he, he's, uh, he's caught 22 passes for 263 yards, a couple of touchdowns, but he is definitely their go-to guy on third down. So I want to see if Penn State will, will pull up uh, Jair Brown or if they're going to put Marquise uh, Wilson on him. Or, or who they're going to cover this man with because he, he is a load. So I wouldn't think they're going to use uh, Jaquan Brisker, but it'll be interesting to see how Brent Pride does that. I would almost uh, use an inside-out technique with, with not, not just uh, with, with the linebacker, but I, I would almost have a safety over the top, uh, almost a bracket coverage because Penn State has the advantage as far as the wide receivers for, for Iowa. Um, Ragnier and Tracy, uh, you just mentioned Laporte's numbers. Those two wide receivers have a combined 22 receptions, 211 yards, and one TD. So if it's not Laporta uh, and if it's not Goodson coming out of the backfield, I, I don't worry about Penn State being able to lock down those wide receivers, but I got to make sure that I don't let their best player in the passing game beat me. So on known passing down, second and long, third and long, I got to bracket this guy because if he beats me, then I failed as a defensive coordinator. If yeah. one of those two wide receivers beat me, then then you called it a night because I didn't let their best playmaker from the wide receiver position beat me. Right. And and Brian Ferentz has designed the pass routes for Sam Laporte as very safe pass routes. He'll he'll come off the line of scrimmage, he'll run across the line to the sideline on a crossing pattern where he's under the zone, it's a safe throw for uh, Petrus mm -hmm. and, or he'll just come out and banana to the sidelines, you know, run a banana route to the sidelines where it's a quick throw out to him. So, you know, I, I expect that. That's why I'm curious to see how Brent Pry goes after him. Is he going to use a fast mobile uh, safety or a fifth guard slot corner? How's he going to defend Sam Laporte? Because he's, Third down, you're going to have to stop him on third down. So, uh, and the other matchup I want to see is PJ Mustafer uh, against their center Lindenbaum. Mustafer is is very much flying under the radar and not getting the credit that he deserves. You know, he anchors Penn State's defensive line, and every game, every week, he is getting better and stronger and more dominant. And and now he's starting. You know, last week against Indiana, he had a couple of uh, uh, plays where he simply just 
used his quickness to get through the offensive line and just blew the play up in the backfield. So him against Lindenbaum, I, I think, is going to be very interesting. And the other matchup on the other side of the ball, Penn State has a very promising young right, right offensive tackle in Caden Wallace. Now, he's going to have to go up against Zach Van Valkenburg. And, and uh, Van Valkenburg is their leading uh, uh, sack. Uh, he, he leads with four sacks, I believe. Mm -hmm. So if Wallace is able to neutralize him, and, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that on his own. I think Penn State's going to have to give him some help with a tight end. If they can give Clifford time to throw, I, I think Penn State can beat him. Uh, but if if Van Valkenburg has his way, as he usually does, he and Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Campbell is a big linebacker. He's about 6'5", 240, and, and he's very fast. He's very mobile. Uh, clogs up passing lanes. He has a, an excellent leap ability. I believe, and I might be wrong about this, Kenneth, but I think he he was responsible for one of the interceptions because he jumped up on a passing lane he was. and tipped the pass. So, I, you know, it's a typical Iowa team. They're going to, if they can't get to the quarterback, the hands are up. They're, they're going to try to block the passing lanes with their arms. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to, to rattle Clifford. So, uh, but defensively, if you look at Penn State's defense and their talent, I think that Penn State defensively is ranked in uh, in total defense, sixth in the conference and 30, 33rd in, in the football division. But mm -hmm. Iowa's offense is ranked 14th in the conference and they're 118th in, in the football uh, division. So, or, you know, across the country. Mm -hmm. So I think Penn State has an advantage there. I think that their defense can come in you got to quiet that Kinnick crowd because outside the white up and, and death Valley Kinnick is right up there. And, you know, Alston stadium at, at Oregon, mm -hmm. these people are right on top of you. Um, and, and they are very loud and they, they are very intimidating. So I, I think that defense can possibly buy the offense some time to figure out what Iowa's defense is doing to them defensively. The, the other thing, like I said, you know, Iowa scored 75 of their 166 points off turnovers so, you know, they're not doing a whole lot offensively. Uh, so the, the defense for Penn State is going to be very, very, very important in this game. And, and Bob, you, you just nailed all the keys that I was going to ask you to, to touch on. Let everybody know where they can follow you on Twitter, my friend. Oh, I'm at uh, at Alquip, well, at A-L-I-Q, Bob, P-S-U. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Sometimes I'll uh, during the game I'll start tweeting different things that I see. But, uh, Kenneth, it is always a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, you and I talk off the air every once in a while. We're going to have to do more, more of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I just love your knowledge. So let me ask you, what's your, what's your score for this game? Bob, we don't have a score quite yet. We haven't, we haven't finished running the simulations yet. But I do think, barring turnovers, because it, it's hard to, hard to predict those, I, I do think this is going to be a very low-scoring game both both teams want to be conservative, not make that mistake because both Penn State and Iowa excellent um, as far as their turnover margin. So I think whichever team stays away from the turnovers will win. And we could see that score um, go up only only because we may get a pick six or a turnover uh, close to the red zone, kind of like what Penn State got against Auburn coming out of the second half where Auburn fumbles uh, first play of the uh, second half, Penn State takes over, scores a touchdown, 
pushes that game to where it was, I think, uh, 14-10. They go up uh, 21-10, and I basically said the game was over. So we could see a similar script in, in, in this contest. We could. And, you know, Iowa, look, they have the seventh-ranked defense in the country, and this is a very excellent secondary. They're experienced, they're good, they're disciplined, and they are extremely well coached. So I think it's it's patience and it's turnovers. So We'll have to see how it works out. And uh, always a pleasure. And uh, listen for your analysis on uh, the Southern Gentleman Sports Show also. Looking forward to it, my friend. That was Aliquippa Bob, everyone. Like I said, you heard the Penn State knowledge. And looking forward to this big-time matchup in the Big Ten Conference to see who's going to be able to kind of step forward in taking uh, the lead and, and winning this conference, getting ready to go to Indianapolis. Thanks a lot, Bob, and look forward to talking to you soon, my friend. Thank you. You take care, Kenneth. We'll talk with you. If there is anyone who could say, I didn't sign up for this, it's Texas A&M quarterback David Walker. This is the incredible story of Walker's demanding, provocative, bitterly fought career and the most miraculous comeback of all time. Now the hardest fighting Texas A&M Aggie who ever lived reveals his life as the A&M field general inside the cold-blooded arena of college football. Join fans now in discovering the most disturbingly fascinating career in NCAA history with the youngster who lived it, including unique stories of a superb high school coach and the all-time game-changers for Aggie football, the Wishbone Gang. Walker is the only college-level quarterback to ever publish a book based on his experiences in amateur athletics and remains the youngest starting college quarterback ever. He held the single-season passing record at Sulphur High for 40 years and the single-game QB rushing record at Texas A&M for 35 years, a true dual-threat quarterback. Enjoy the flavor of Southwest Louisiana and the adopted Texas swagger in his unique voice as he takes you down a one-of-a-kind path you could never imagine possible in the modern era of college football. In so doing you will uncover what may be the best amateur sports story of all time how David Walker met the greatest challenge in NCAA history. Head over to Amazon today and pick up your copy. It is walking to the beat of your own drum, walking the walk, not just talking the talk. It's the walk of champions. It's the walk across the stage that forever makes Ole Miss your beloved alma mater. The Rebel Walk exists to bring fresh, unique content to Ole Miss readers. While we are certainly focused on all Rebel sports, we are also interested in taking a walk that is a little off the beaten path, producing high-quality stories you simply cannot get elsewhere. Those of us involved in the Rebel Walk make this promise to our readers, we vow to look harder and delve deeper into topics that matter to Ole Miss Rebels. You can follow Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie and the Rebel Walk at the Rebel Walk and their fantastic website at www.therebelwalk.com. We are happy to have you on the journey with us. The mission of Unchanging the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel Barbo brings positivity and purpose to students, professionals and parents across the country through her movement Unchanging the Narrative. Presented in an encouraging and supportive environment, Rachel speaks about the power to change the narrative and to find purpose in life. In 55 minutes, Rachel covers themes such as leadership, mental health, self-care, domestic violence prevention, social justice and interpersonal relationships. Everyone is challenged to live a life of purpose, passion and platform. To learn more please visit unchangingthenarrative.org. While our team's professional experience dates back to the 1980s, Quick Cuts Media has been producing business-to-business -business and business-to-consumer media since the fall of 2011. Professionally produced media is essential in today's business environment. Successful companies value an educated workforce and informed vendors and clients. Whether your business is service or product-based, 
Let us produce your business to business and business to consumer media in a budget conscious way to help you get the most out of your media production dollars. Our systematic approach with actors, graphics, added video, and high impact text will help you educate, inform, and excite your audience. We will deliver to you a professional video for your business in a week. Whether it is a learning management system content or training, corporate culture or marketing the team at Quick Cuts Media will be here to give you exactly what you need. For more information, please contact us at 844-277-2887 or visit us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. The mission of Unchanging the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as inspiration for students, professionals and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion and platform. Rachel Barbo brings positivity and purpose to students, professionals and parents across the country through her movement on changing the narrative. Presented in an encouraging and supportive environment, Rachel speaks about the power to change the narrative and to find purpose in life. In 55 minutes, Rachel covers themes such as leadership, mental health, self-care, domestic violence prevention, social justice and interpersonal relationships. Everyone is challenged to live a life of purpose, passion and platform. To learn more please visit unchangingthenarrative.org. While our team's professional experience dates back to the 1980s, Quick Cuts Media has been producing business-to-business and business-to-consumer media since the fall of 2011. Professionally produced media is essential in today's business environment. Successful companies value an educated workforce and informed vendors and clients. Whether your business is service or product-based, let us produce your business-to-business and business-to-consumer media in a budget-conscious way to help you get the most out of your media production dollars. Our systematic approach with actors, graphics, added video, and high-impact text will help you educate, inform, and excite your audience. We will deliver to you a professional video for your business in a week. Whether it is a learning management system content or training, corporate culture or marketing the team at Quick Cuts Media will be here to give you exactly what you need. For more information, please contact us at 844-277-2887 or visit us at www.quickcutsmedia.com. Now it is time for us to turn the show over to the voodoo child, Kenneth, as he gives his keys to the featured games. Welcome into the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. This is the Crunch Time Express, and this is our featured game of the weekend. Penn State Nittany Lions 5-0 travel to Iowa City to take on the 5-0 Iowa Hawkeyes. Guys, as we always like to do, fantastic job by my team. Summer gave you the um, potential uh, weather forecast for that game. Could come into play um, during this breakdown as well as Billy giving you the lines where it open and where they currently sit. I'm going to just give a quick um, refresher on that, and we're going to get into the statistics and then the crunch time advantage breakdown of this contest. All right, so let's start with the money. Right now, as we sit here on a Thursday afternoon, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, 
we have about 5,359 tickets written on this game. We're going to look at where the money is flowing on both the over and the under in this contest. Right now, this game opened with the Iowa Hawkeyes as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this ballgame. We've seen that line dip just a little bit to where now, depending on where you like to shop uh, for your numbers, uh, that not that number sits at two in some spots. But we're going to go with the consensus of it's still sitting at two and a half. Fifty-eight percent of the money is coming in on Iowa, forty-two percent on Penn State. As far as the over/under, this um, line came, this total came in at forty-two and a half. Currently sits at about 41 and a half. 65% of the money coming in on the over, 35% to the under. All right, let's get into uh, the breakdown as far as the Big Ten standings because while this is a conference game, it's a cross divisional matchup. So Iowa currently finds themselves sitting in the one slot as far as the Big Ten West the only undefeated team in conference play on that side of the, of, of the bracket, while Penn State is in a four-way tie with Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. So a loss for Penn State, while costly, does not take them out of the running as far as winning the Big Ten East. Same can be said for Iowa, a loss in this ballgame just – brings Minnesota and Purdue back into play as far as being able to rep represent the Big Ten West. Let's take a look at the um, the uh, stats for, for both teams. And we're going to start with the road team, Penn State. Penn State comes in averaging 30 points per game, only allowing 12. 418.6 yards of total offense, 286 through the air, 120. 132.6 on the ground. Defense, 314.2 allowed, 202.6 through the air, 111.6 on the ground. Led by quarterback Sean Clifford on the season, 103 completions on 153 attempts, 1,336 yards, 11 touchdowns, three INTs. Leading rusher, Noah Kane. 59 carries, 187 on the ground, three rushing touchdowns. And, of course, leading them at the wide receiver spot, senior wide receiver Jahan Dotson, 35 receptions, 446 receiving yards, and six receiving touchdowns. For the Iowa Hawkeyes, their season numbers look like this, 33.2 yards per game. Scored, only giving up 11.6. Total yards, 320 yards of total offense, 194 through the air, 126 on the ground. Total yards allowed, 271.4, 184 through the air, only 86 on the ground. Led by quarterback uh, Spencer Petrus, 85 completions, 137 attempts, 947 yards, seven touchdowns to only one INT. Tyler Goodson, uh, talented running back, 99 carries, 430 yards, five rushing touchdowns. And led by, as far as their receiving production, 
Uh, Sam Laporta, 22 receptions, 263 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. Let's get into, um, I guess, the, the, the key game that I'm going to refer back to for Penn State would be that whiteout game where they beat Auburn 28-20. to 20. Now, this game was basically uh, neck and neck going into the half where Penn State had a 14-10 lead. Auburn, first play after receiving the uh, kickoff to start the third quarter, runs a um, reverse to a wide receiver on their 30-yard line. They fumble. Penn State recovers. Four plays later, goes into the end zone, pushes that lead to 21-10, and basically that was the ball game. Now, taking a look at what uh, Penn State was able to do in that ball game and how it's going to translate because of the talented uh, cornerbacks that they're going to face in this contest. Sam Cliff, uh, Sean Clifford, I, I'm sorry, was 28 for 32, 280 yards, passing, two touchdowns, one INT. Uh, Noah Kane could not get anything done on the ground. Guys, 19 carries, 45 yards rushing, and did have the one rushing touchdown. Dotson, uh, 10 receptions, 79 yards, 22 of those coming on a um, a um, halfback pass, I'm sorry. And basically, that was the bulk of his production in that ball game. This game was basically would have been a 21 to 20 ball game um, without that um, that fumble there by um, Auburn. So let's get into um, what our crunch time numbers say in this contest, and then we'll um, we'll kind of give our game script for how this game is going to play out based on our numbers. First number I'm going to look at, um, ladies and gentlemen, is drives ending in a touchdown for Penn State. Think um, with a game where we could have some weather issues, it's going to be imperative for both teams to take advantage of scoring opportunities within the red zone. Think field goal kicking uh, could be a challenge for both teams. So if you have the opportunity to get a touchdown in this game, I think you absolutely have to capitalize on it. Penn State's offense is only finishing drives with a touchdown 25.7% of the time in the games that we're tracking. That is very concerning. Now, Penn State defense in those games have, has been lights out, only allowing 8.6% of their opponent's drives to end in a touchdown. Another key number that we're going to be looking at is third down conversions. In the games that we're tracking for Penn State, they're only converting 37.8% of their third downs. Their opponents, virtually a deadlock at 37.7%. Penn State's averaging about 22.7. I 
as far as our advanced metrics, only giving up 10 points per game. That's a point differential of 12.7 to the good. Now, here's a number to pay very close attention to. Our adjusted turnover numbers, the way that we track turnovers, Penn State has committed eight turnovers in those contests, forced 10 plus two ratio in those numbers. Now, let's take a look at the Iowa Hawkeyes. We talk about drives ending in a touchdown. For Iowa, 26.3% of their drives are ending with a touchdown. Very solid number. Look at what their defense is allowing. 9.5%. Excellent ratio. As far as third down conversions, the Iowa Hawkeyes, 32.6. Their opponents, 30.8. And as far as the uh, adjusted turnover numbers that we mentioned, Iowa has only committed three turnovers while forcing 14 turnovers, plus 11 in our turnover margin. That is absolutely fantastic. Uh, number there. So let's get into the game script um, right now. The reason why we refer back to that Auburn game is because of the talented um, secondary that Auburn had. We're talking about uh, Roger McQuarrie. We're talking about Smoke Monday. In this contest, I was going to face probably one of the best cornerback tandems in college football, Raleigh Moss, three uh, interceptions on the season. Two of those have gone for, for pick six. And his running mate at the opposite cornerback position, Matt Hankins, also with two interceptions on the season. It's going to be imperative that Sean Clifford takes care of the ball. You, If you've heard any of the um, – press conferences uh, by head coach James Franklin for Penn State. He talked about the necessity for Penn State to have a running game in this contest for two very important reasons. One, it keeps Sean Clifford in a very controlled uh, type of, of a ball game where you're not asking him to go out and win the game. And two, Iowa's best offense is actually their secondary because of the amount of turnovers that they force, putting the Iowa offense in very uh, short field position. And as you can see, Iowa's been able to capitalize on that. So what's the game script for Penn State to win this contest? Quite simply, whether it's Noah Kane, whether it's any one of those uh, running backs on the Penn State Team. This team is going to have to rush for at least 130 to 145 yards in this contest because you're going to have to limit the amount of throws that Sean Clifford is going to make in this ball game. If Penn State cannot establish the run, that defense that Iowa plays, that rush three sometimes rush four, dropping at least seven and sometimes eight guys in coverage. Guys, those passing windows are extremely small, 
And if Clifford is forced to throw into those tight windows and you see a couple of interceptions in this ball game, like we saw last Friday night with Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa had not thrown an interception all season long through six in that ball game. I'm telling you right now, if Sean Clifford has two interceptions in this ball game, good night, put the baby to bed. Dotson is going to see a lot of moss in this contest. I think that's going to neutralize him. The other wide receiver, Washington, is going to see a lot of Hankins in this contest. I think advantage Iowa in, in that matchup. Can Penn State get um, some kind of plays from their tight ends where they're going to see a lot of Dane Bolton and Seth Benson in this contest? Penn State is going to have to manufacture points. And I think in a contest where you could see weather coming into uh, being a factor in this contest, and want to mention this uh, really quickly here. Right now, as we sit, we're expecting overcast and wind gusts up to 18 uh, miles per hour in that contest. Going to make throwing the ball extremely difficult, especially if you're going to try to push the ball down the field. Uh, with the wind uh, blowing in your face. So it's going to be imperative that Penn State gets a running game in this contest. So how does the Iowa Hawkeyes win this contest? Very simply, Spencer Petrus, stay with the game plan. He's not going to throw for big numbers regardless of what the weather is because those two wide receivers, Ratney and Tracy, uh, those two have combined for 22 receptions, 211 yards, only one touchdown. Sam Laporta, the tight end, has already surpassed what those two are putting up. So you're going to see maybe the same game script that we saw against Maryland. A lot of flare passes to Tyler Goodson and a lot of short intermediate passes to Sam Laporta. How does Penn State match up with this tight end? You're going to see him sometimes lined up on the line of scrimmage. You're going to see him lined up in the H-back where he's detached off the line of scrimmage. You're going to see him lined up almost in the slot. So how does Penn State match up with uh, this talented tight end could be the difference maker in this contest. Tyler Goodson doesn't have to hit the home run in this ball game. Give me 125 to 130 all-purpose yards, whether it's on the ground or out of the backfield as a receiving threat. Keep the chains moving. Punning is going to be very important in this ballgame. And I always got one of the best punters in Taylor in all of college football. Take a look at his numbers. On 31 punts, he averages 47.3 yards per punt. Net only 40. His net is 42.3. Guys, that's only five yards per, per punt return. If I was able to get you in a flip-the-field position type ball game, that's definitely going to be in their advantage. Forcing two turnovers in this ball game, And like I said, it doesn't just have to be an interception or fumble. It could be a botched field goal uh, tried by Penn State. It could be a blocked punt. It could also be a wind-affected punt where it only goes 25, 30 yards. 
we're going to count that as a turnover in this ball game because everything is going to be magnified in a game where the margin of victory is expected to be this small. You're talking about a field goal difference. So everything is going to be magnified in this contest. I think it's going to be a fantastic ball game. Looking forward to it. And let me get the uh, start time here. PM uh, Central Time on Fox. So this game is going to have not only a Big Ten uh, implications, but a national implications. Looking forward to it, guys. That is the breakdown for the Iowa Hawkeyes, Penn State Nittany Lions here on the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. We would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch Time Sports Advantage Network. Special thanks to our sponsors, The Rebel Walk. You can visit their website at www.therebelwalk.com. David Walker, you can purchase a copy of his fantastic book I'll Tell You When You Are Good on Amazon. Quick Cut Media, for the best video production for you company head over to them at www.quickcutsmedia.com. I'm changing the narrative. Our good friend and mentor Rachel Barbo started this movement to improve the lives of current and former athletes. To learn more visit www.imchangingthenarrative.com. If you have missed any previous episodes of our podcast, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Breaker. You can also find the shows on our website at www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com and in the follow us section you will find the links to our Twitter page at CrunchTimeVIP and our podcast and YouTube channel. You can hear Kenneth on Saturday mornings as he joins the Southern Gentleman Sports Show hosted by the Georgia Dog, Pac-12 Dave, Irish Bill, Noel Core, and Ms. Callie Cash. For showtimes and how you can stream the show head over to wearesportsradio.com or southerngentlemansports.com. You can also hear Kenneth as he hosts a live Colin show talking all things Southeastern Conference football on Mark Rogers' The Voice of College Football SEC YouTube channel. Also be sure to join Kenneth and I on Sunday afternoons as we recap all the action from the weekend in college football. On behalf of Billy and Kenneth, this is Summer and until next time have a great rest of your day and all aboard. Bye.